All right. Um, hello, folks. I am I am Faz from Faz Lifts, and today I'm going to do an update on my fastest fat loss journey. And this is going to kick off week three. I'm actually recording this as a preamble to part three A. So this will be um, a discussion of something that happened to me yesterday on social media. And I think it's important enough to discuss it in a, in a podcast section of its own. Now, for those of you who are on social media, well, everyone is, uh, whether you're on because you are a content producer or you're a content consumer or both, I think you can relate to this. And if I'm describing you in, the, in this, then it might make you think about the type of things that you're putting onto social media and the effect that it has on people. So this episode is going to be called something like clout lighting, Karens and social media. So I made a post about Diet Coke uh, on Sunday and it was quite a witty post, actually. It was quite funny. Um, <laughs> if I don't say so myself, made me laugh. I wrote, there is a special health people who perpetuate the myth that Diet Coke is bad for you. Okay, obviously standard so far. But then the, the clever bit was <laughs> where they're made to drink Diet Coke forever and nothing bad happens. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so that was quite a funny and witty post about Diet Coke. And essentially, I then reel off a bunch of studies and, and basically a summary of the past, you know, four to six decades of research that we've got on Diet Coke and Diet Coke drinks showing that they're safe. And it was full of information about sort of aspartame and all that kind of stuff and studies showing its safety and loads of positive comments, reshares, um, all that kind of thing. It's it is actually one of my most popular posts for all the positivity. But there was this one person who decided to have a bit of a, um, decided, to, decided to get upset. And she decided that she was going to be upset at me and try and make me upset. So firstly, to kick off, I happen to think I'm quite, when it comes to diet views, I'm quite central. Like I'm not a really sort of extreme um, sort of juice cleanse type person. And on the other hand, I'm also not an extreme like bodybuilder, six meals a day, you've got to eat that. I'm very much right in the central. And what I'm interested in is sustainable approaches, whatever they may be. And as and sustainable for you might look very different to sustainable for me. And that is part of the quagmire of nutrition that I help people sort through, as is my job. Now, one lady decided to get very self-righteous about this, and I would consider her to be very much on the right wing of where opinions relating to nutrition. She's the kind of finicky diet person who'd be like, oh, here's a little detail that I want to just talk about, rather than looking at the overwhelming positive and practical and easy to implement choices that I help people make on a day-to-day -day basic basis. Now, if you look at my work and if you look at the intent of my work, it is to help people. I put out a ton of free content, things that I've researched, that I continue to research, my anecdotal experiences, my experience with doing this as a full-time job. I put out a ton of free content for you guys to consume out of the goodness of my heart. I don't expect a thanks or anything. I ask for reviews. Please review it. Five star. <laughs> but um, as much as, as it is, I put out the information there for free. It is not my job 
My job is to help clients with whatever goals they have. My job isn't to social media stuff, right? So I put all this information out for free in an effort to help people because when I was in a position where I needed help, there wasn't social media and there wasn't these types of sources of information of moderate, sensible people like myself who are giving people quick, easy, simple to implement strategies to get them to where they want to be. All right. So the intent of my post and my work is to help people. She decided not to see that. She decided that something or someone had hurt her in her life. So today she was going to come at my post with a chip on her shoulder and look for a fight. And she wrote a reply. And I'm going to just summarize the gist of her reply. And the emphasis um, on the words, the words are accurate. These are all words that she's used. I'm not exaggerating anything. So she wrote, there is a more acid in diet drinks. Acid. Acid. What do you think of when you think of acid? Think of like people melting. There is more acid in diet drinks, which is very erosive, very damaging to teeth. And then she followed that with, after that scare story, after that fear mongering, she followed that with everything in moderation, I suppose, with a sort of a fake heart smiley emoticon. So at first glance, that might seem like a, who knows? God knows what it is. My post is bearing about Diet Coke, right? Diet Coke and this idea that it's safe, backed up by six decades of research showing that it's safe. Essentially, this idea that if you are having two or three cans of pop a day, you might be consuming anywhere between 300, 400 calories, which you could basically cut down to like zero. Okay. And that's what my advice is about. Like my advice is for say, let's say a guy or a girl has just been told by his doctor, look, your cholesterol's bad. You're on the verge of diabetes. Do something about it. What can you do, which is nice and easy. And he's at home on a Sunday and he looked at my post, go, oh, yes. I've been told before that Diet Coke is bad for me. So Faz says it's all right. And it's, he look, he's got the proof here. It's backed up by six decades of research. Ooh, all right, great. That's a change I can make. And that change that he makes will make him healthier over the next two to three months. It will improve his blood markers. And it's something that he can do, which won't change his life in the slightest way. He still gets to enjoy something sweet. In this time, it's got zero calories in it. And he can do that and he make a really nice, easy change, which can then start to drop some weight off him and make him healthier. But then you get this Karen who jumps in. This Karen who jumps in and starts talking about teeth and straws. Now, as I said to her, the point of the post is to prevent people from being confused with conflicting messages. Because the average person on the street is not well read about nutrition. And that's fine because it's like, I have people who are like doctors on my books. I have engineers. I'm not well read on engineering. So that's not my area. So there's nothing wrong with not being read on nutrition, right? That's why people come to me. So the average person is not very well read on nutrition will read stuff like what this Karen's putting out and then decide, God, I can't even do Diet Coke. And then we'll go on like, by the end of everything they can't do, like you guys know what it's like if you're listening at home. You can't do anything these days. You can't eat anything. You can't have that for fear of causing cancer or the fear of this or that or diabetes or whatever. Everything's bad for you these days. We all know that. Everything's bad for you. You can't even look, open up a 
column on the BBC without something else being bad for you. Fast, don't fast. That's bad for you as well. Make sure you fast. That's good for you. Nope, now fasting's bad for you. What about high fat? Nope, that's bad for you. Oh, low fat's bad for you as well. Oh, don't have carbs. That's bad for you. Nope, you can have carbs. That's fine for you. Like, all we get all day long is a series of mixed messages. And what they do is they prevent people from making these simple choices which are going to positively impact their health. So because you have Karens like this moron in my Instagram, on my page, I can't escape her. She's like, puts herself there. This moron on my page who doesn't understand that by doing that, by doing what she's doing, by posting about these little details and giving these little warnings with this like self-righteous, like passive aggressive attitude that she's preventing people from making the right choices. She's not helping them. She's actively harming them because that's what the public sees. It's just these confused messages. And I don't want there to be confused messages on my Instagram page. I want there to be simple, helpful things that people can implement to make their lives better and make better choices to directly impact their health. I don't want a bunch of morons on my page diluting my message. Now, normally I can ignore these morons because they just go about in their own moron houses doing their own moron things. But this moron on this day decided to then come into my page and then discuss things with me. And I looked it up online. It's actually a form of uh, gaslighting. It's called clout lighting. It's when somebody posts something really good and then you decide that you're going to take some of the shine away from that. So you clout light by diverting the topic with her really passive aggressive sort of everything in moderation, I suppose with that fake heart smile. So it confuses people and in the end people give up and they resort to just doing nothing and they carry on being unhealthy, making bad choices because they're confused. They just see everyone's voice on the internet as the same and they decide just if they freeze and decide to do nothing because they don't know what to do and no one's giving them a clear message. But we know from studies over the last six decades, Diet Coke is perfectly safe, and we also know that saving, if you have, say, three cans of pop a day and you turn to Diet Coke rather than those three cans of pop, you got three cans of Diet Pop, you would save 420 calories, which would be almost enough to drop a pound of fat off you per week without doing anything. And now to some people, that is revolutionary. To some people who think Diet Coke is bad for you, the ability to have some Diet Coke while they're on a diet, to have something nice and sweet in their mouth while they're on a diet, that is revolutionary. But they don't because of Karens like this. And this Karen who thinks she's right, that's the thing. The bad thing is she thinks she's right. She doesn't realize the damage. She's contributing to the damaging effects of these confused messages to the general public. I know because that's my job. That's what I do. Okay. So with her wanting to get clout and attempting to divert people from my message, all she's doing is confusing people and ultimately just scaring them off. No. <clears throat> now, we go back and forth in, this reply, in these replies. Feel free to go and check it out. It's the Diet Coke post from this last Sunday. Okay, feel free to check it out. But I want to point out a couple of things. One, I start talking about studies and I quote to her that the studies that they do this in, they literally immerse a piece of enamel in Diet Coke for an hour a day. That's how they get these slight erosion effects, which aren't even that much, not even really worth worrying about. But who sits there just with Diet Coke in their mouth for 60 minutes at a time? If you sit at home just with Diet Coke 
just in your gob, just whoop, full in your gob, like for an hour a day, please write me in and write in and let me know if that's you, right? Because very few people do, like if any, I don't think anyone, maybe this Karen does, maybe that's what she does. She sits at home with Diet Coke in her mouth, just keeps it in her mouth for an hour. So anyway, I brought up the studies. She refused to discuss the studies. She just gave a blanket, yes, I work with studies, right? But she refused to actually discuss the study. That's the first sign, you know, you've got a charlatan on your mind. Okay, you've got charlatan on your hands. She talks about how she knows studies, but she refused to actually discuss it when I brought the studies up. So that's how I know she's immediately talking out of her behind, right? So she's waded in with this gaslighting, clout lighting, first of all, this scare tactics, which are designed to confuse people, even though I'm sure she thinks she's in the right. And then she refuses to actually engage in the research, even though she says she's, she tries to make out she's an authority and she works with research. Okay. That's the next thing. The next thing she does, the third thing now, which is the third strike for her, which is probably the worst thing is she tries to get the sympathy vote. At this point, she knows she's embarrassed herself. She knows full well she's embarrassed herself and she tries to be manipulative, manipulative. She says something about how I'm, she wasn't expecting a harsh reply. When bear in mind up until this point, all I've done is disagreed with her and quoted her a study and asked her to discuss the study. She's not done that. She's now trying to get the sympathy vote from whoever's reading at this point. That's what she's trying to do. She knows full well, she's esh. This is the point to quote the phrase. This is the point she knows she's effed up. So I point out an actual study and her reply after all said and done is to point towards a Wikipedia page on this. Now, for those of you who have done GCSE English, <laughs> you'll, know, <laughs> you'll know that Wikipedia is not the best source of information and that's her quote unquote studies. So she's come in with this subversion, this clout lighting, these lies, this manipulation, all this stuff about subverting people away from actual simple guidelines, diluting my message on my page. And all she's got in terms of studies is Wikipedia. So she knows she's embarrassed herself. She's tried to be manipulative. She's tried to get the sympathy vote from whoever watching, whoever's reading, and she's failed ultimately. It, and I want to talk a bit, I wanted to talk a bit about that because on my page, I give out this information for free. And it's the dissemination of my 22 years of experience on the subject and on the research. What she did was she refused to read the caption, which was the first thing. She refused to engage in discussion, which was the second thing. In, in regards to studies, because I, I, I actually went and looked at the studies and I quoted some of them and I told her the name of some of the studies. She refused to engage in the actual studies. Thirdly, she made it personal by trying to play the victim, by getting the sympathy, trying to get the sympathy vote. And then fourthly, what she actually had was Wikipedia as a, sortation, as a citation. Now, I wanted to talk about this because it was dealt with, you know, relatively well, but I wanted to talk about this because for the first point, um, I don't want my message diluted and it's on my page. So I will post what I like. Now, feel free to come in and have a discussion with me, but you've got to be able to discuss. Like if I say, okay, well, I want to talk about this study. This is the study that you've mentioned. Let's talk about it. Be prepared to discuss that. You can't just wave your hand and go, well, I know studies. I know things. Be prepared to discuss. And if you're not, then be prepared to be ridiculed because that... I, people don't understand, you see, that on social media, people think everyone on social media is just there to be debated and everyone's view is the same. Like your view, Karen, is not the same as mine. One, this is on my page. If you want to have a view about 
Diet Coke, put it on your page. Okay. I don't give a crap about your opinion on my page. I'm there to help people. Okay. If you have an, a difference of opinion, fine, take it out on yours. People let try and get people to listen to what you say on your, on your page, not on mine. Okay. On mine, I have clear, simple messages trying to help people. And I think it's important to underline this because I don't think a lot of people really realize that we as content producers, we have to deal with our mental health as well. Like she immediately three sentences in tried to play the victim. I put out content weekly, almost daily. Do you guys not think that I get a lot of backlash? Do you guys not think that it's difficult? Do you guys not think that the, the internet is a nasty place and everyone who just sees you putting up stuff on there thinks that they can just drop in a crappy messages into your DM or whatever, or just be nasty to you because presumably she was having a bad day. And then just, you know, she's hurt. She's having an awful day. So she wants to unload some of that energy and she can then put it onto me. And that's her idea, I'm sure. But you've got to realize I've got to look after my own mental health on there because I put myself out there so much. Do you not think there's a backlash? And I can be compassionate and helpful and understanding. And 99% of the time I am those things. But when I come across something like this, I have to put my foot down because I can't just have people coming on and just trying to dilute and ruin the message of what I'm saying and then act like they're getting the sympathy vote because that's bad for my mental health. And all I'm trying to do is put out a message in my space, in my little area of the internet. I'm just trying to put out my information to help my people, people who are like me. And so I have to protect that because if I don't, then the internet, which is a nasty, horrible place, full of nasty Karens like this one will go and be nasty. And the worst thing is they don't even know they're being nasty because they just have bad upbringings and they're just like that. You know, it's the, the what, what happened on Sunday there, her comments were the equivalent of your neighbors playing music at 3am and they think it's fine. They're just brought up like that because they're fucking idiots. You know, they're brought up like that because they're just like, I don't know what the word to do it. Just low-class chavs. That's all they are. So they don't know any better. So they think they're doing things perfectly fine. They think music at 3 a.m. is a-okay. 5 a.m., 4 a.m., a-okay on a weeknight, fine. They don't understand what they're doing wrong. And so you've got to protect yourself. There's no point in getting into a conversation with these people because they are completely on a different, you know, on a completely different plane to you. There's no way you can work through all those childhood issues, all that childhood trauma, mommy didn't hug her, daddy didn't love her, all that kind of stuff. You can't go through all of that kind of stuff. You just have to say, no, this is my space on the internet. I'm helping people and you are not welcome here. And that's all. Now, I'm not banning it from my page or anything like that. I wouldn't do that, but I have to make it very clear that I'm not also not putting it with BS. So that is just a bit of an interlude and it had it did have a consequence on me again on my mental health and that's something that i will discuss in the next section when i give you my update which will i'll probably this i'm recording on monday because i wanted to record it about a day after this happened um and so i'm going to give you my update on that on wednesday and so i will put that on the end of this and uh yes yeah, so for you guys it will seamlessly move into wednesday's recording now
Right. Um, hello, lovely people. So we are now on Wednesday of week three, and this will follow along from the discussion I had about what happened on Sunday. And this is kind of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how we react to stresses in our life. And this is another one of the sort of um, rules of healthy living that I practice. Now, for the large majority of people, the time taken to go from stress to comfort eating is a split second. The brain is very good at redirecting us towards comfort. And a, a lot of this is things within behaviors which were ingrained within our first sort of, you know, three to five to 10 years of life on this earth. So if we associate food with comfort, so let's say, for example, when we were um, sat with family watching a movie, if during that movie we had, you know, chocolate popcorn or whatever, some comfort food. So you're all snuggled up with mum and dad or whoever, and uh, you were eating at the same time, you were combining those pleasures and you were reinforcing in your brain that there is this pleasure derived from food. Or let's say, for example, um, you, uh, you had a favorite uncle who came to visit and whenever he visited, he brought around some chocolate. Again, you had a laugh, you had a joke, you had some chocolate with it. So there are all these associations, all these subtle associations we have with food. Um, if you fell over, you know, your, your mom or your dad cleaned you up, brought you in the house, gave you a chocolate bar, whatever. So you get all these subtle cues and all these subtle associations with food and comfort so that when you're older and something stresses you out, no matter what it is, and we all live with stress. We all unfortunately have to deal with stressful people um, as much as we try not to. Um, we'll have to deal with that. And so when that happens, we can, our brains are very good at redirecting us towards things which give us comfort. And for some people, it, it's food. For other people, it's sex, you know. For even more people, it's maybe sleep, stuff like that. You know, if you think of the three basic pleasures in life, eating, sleeping and having sex. Um, so yeah, the brain is very good at redirecting people towards these things. And just due to, you know, ease of highly platable foods, consumerism, a lot of it seems to be chocolate. It's quite a nice, easy, quick, cheap option to give to kids to placate them. Um, so a lot of us end up with this association with food and we reach to food when we get stressed. In fact, we don't even really know we're doing it. And that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So I'm at the point now where I can feel that happening. So this is uh, what happened. So Sunday, obviously, you've heard the first preamble to uh, to uh, the uh, what happened on Sunday. Also on Sunday, I had some some other stress as well with um, with a client. Um, and so as a result, Sunday night I was sat there watching uh, the Office, you know, the American Office. How good is that show, by the way? It's way better than the British version. Like, that's the thing. Like, how much better is the American office than the British office? The first season tried to be a lot. Uh, uh, the first season tried to be very much like the UK office, but the UK office was really cringe, kind of on purpose, because that's Ricky Gervais's humor, and it's great. It's brilliant. But um, the US office, when it really took off, I felt, was when it went off the script and just went turned into a really wholesome, very, very clever, very witty um, comedy. So it's awesome. So on a tangent there, but, um, yeah, I was sat there watching the office. I, w I want to rewatch it cause it's brilliant. And, uh, I found myself wanting some chocolate 
and uh, which is normally fine. Like if I want some chocolate, I'll have it, you know, flexibility and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I knew I was on a, this diet. So ideally I would try and avoid it. So there's always a, there's always a question there regarding flexibility. And by the way, flexibility, what is flexibility will be the topic of the next podcast because I think that's an important topic. So anyway, there's always this idea of flexibility when you have a craving, should you stick to your plan? Should you be flexible, blah, blah. And so I was sat there thinking about this urge to have chocolate and I was wondering where it came from. And um, I realized that it probably come from this week being quite stressy. And so when I had time to sit and relax and actually think for myself, that's when the cravings uh, occurred. And this is normally what people experience. So you'll, I see with most people I work with, the cravings only really happen and occur at night or on the weekend, essentially times where their mind is not occupied with work or family or whatever. And that's when we get the cravings and they strike simply because our mind isn't occupied. So when we've got a chance to actually think something deep down in our subconscious says to us, hey, what about that really nasty thing that happened during the week? Maybe you need some comfort. <laughs> the brain's very good at that. The brain is like, it's almost like your best friend, your, your, your enabling best friend in a way. And your brain will sit there and go, hey, you've had a really stressful week, dude. Now that I've had a chance to sit and think about it, maybe you should have some chocolate and feel better. And again, I just want to point out, there's nothing inherently wrong with having chocolate. It's just that since I'm on a plan, I'd rather not do that right now because I've got a goal and I'm committed towards that goal. So I sat and I thought about it for a while. I actually sat and thought about this idea of, okay, you know what? I'm trying to, I'm, I'm far enough along in my own diet journey that I can separate the stress of everyday life from the immediate need to find comfort, which I was normal, which I was, have traditionally been very bad at. That I imagine has been a large part in, played a large part with my weight problems since in my twenties and, you know, since I've started on this journey and what I teach you guys about and how to fix it, because I imagine a lot of you guys experience the same thing. So I come from a place of experience. So it, it was nice in the sense, because I know that now that I'm able to distinguish the two. So when I want a piece of chocolate, wherever, and I'm sitting there thinking about it, I know it's probably because of some, something that's happened, which made me want comfort. Perhaps also it was just that I had nice associations with watching a show like The Office, you know, but that's probably a minor thing. But so, yeah, I, in the end, so I didn't, I didn't have any chocolate um, for a little while. I had some later because I wanted to just sit and think about it for a while. So I sat and thought about it, sat and thought about it. And I, I talked to my partner about the, um, about the cravings, about what happened. And I came up with a solution for my stress, a solution for the problems that had occurred. So here's the advantage of cultivating this ability to actually think about your stresses, because if you don't sit and think about your stress and you just immediately reach for the chocolate and gorge on the chocolate, there are two consequences to that. The first consequence is you're probably not going to enjoy the chocolate because you're not going to be eating it mindfully. You're just going to be smashing it for comfort, right? So that's the first consequence. And we've all done that, particularly when we're watching TV or something like that. We'll just have a bunch of, you know, whatever the junk food is, and it'll be gone before we even know it. You know, the whole bar will be gone or whatever. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> that was con. I didn't even, 
notice it really while I was just watching this show. So that's the first consequence. The second consequence is you've actually gone and ignored the stress in the first place. So what was causing the stress? You've gone and ignored that because you've gone straight for the comfort. So all of a sudden you're placated like, ah, you're kind of like, ooh, you feel good. But the original stress, it's not there, you know? Sorry, the original stress is not in your mind. It's still there because you've not thought about it. You've not addressed it. So you can very easily ignore a lot of your stresses, let them build up, let them pile up without ever addressing them. So if you can cultivate that ability to put a stop between your brain getting stressed and leading towards comfort when you have free time to think about things, if you can put a stop between that, a thinking time stop, it's a very good ability to, to cultivate because it allows you to do two things. One, to continue to eat mindfully, which you should always be doing. And two, to actually allow you to think about the stresses of life and come up with a solution of them. And ultimately, to let those out in a more productive way, a more thoughtful way. There you go. See, look at the value you're getting from this podcast. Not only are you getting diet value, but you're getting lifestyle stuff as well. Amazing. <laughs> so there you got both. All right. Now, in terms of how you can cultivate that? Well, I think firstly, just listening to this podcast and just me telling you that this is often what occurs is probably going to help quite a lot because then next time you are sat there and it's a evening or it's a nighttime and you're like, ooh, ah, I fancy a chocolate bar. Maybe just think about your day, you know, think about your day. You might not want to, this is the thing, your brain doesn't necessarily want you to think about painful memories when it's trying to relax but it's up to you to think about them because we live in a civilized world where, you know, these problems may well be reoccurring. It's not like our ancestors when they had some stress of like a, I don't know, chasing an animal or an animal chasing them, they could just forget about it um, because there wasn't anything more complicated to it. It could be something to do with, you know, I don't know, work, someone you have to work with, um, a situation at work, um, a project you've got, which seems impossible. Like all these things, it allows you some thinking time, some time to clear your mind. And I think this is part of the parcel of why meditation is so useful as well. It allows you to, your brain some time to be still and actually think without being distracted. So you don't have the chocolate as distraction, the popcorn as distraction. You actually give your brain and your body and your mind time to just process without being overwhelmed with the distractions of niceties like chocolate and popcorn. So just me, just me, just me making you aware of these things should actually begin to cultivate that process in your brains as well should hopefully fast track something that's taken me years to build up um so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna mostly call it there i think because i wanted to this week was a good opportunity to talk about stress talk about how we cope with that stress what we do about that stress the results of those and also to give you guys a real example of something that's been stressing me which has hopefully now come to an end um, and uh, and the way that I sort of deal with it. But anyway, I should give you an update on my body weight as well. Let me do that too. So I'm not sure I did. So I'm not sure I did in my, in the first part. So body weight wise, da -da -ta, we are now, we are now midway through week three. In the first two weeks, I lost a total on average of 2.77 kilos which is nice, about six pounds. This week, so far, on average, I'm down a further kilo. These are on average figures. So I'm broken down into the 81 kilo area, 
which is nice. I'm feeling pretty lean. Face is looking very lean. Peripherally looking very, very lean. I get peripherally lean quite well. So like um, fat around my um, legs, arms, uh, back, sort of all those kind of calves in particular, they get very, very lean um, very quickly. Abs and or even glutes actually get lean faster than abs, weirdly enough. I just have weird body fat distribution, probably due to years of being um, overweight. So I tend to hold it in my stomach. But as you saw from my competition photos, when I do get lean, my waist tends to be ridiculously small. So that's quite nice. So anyway, I'm down into the 81 kilo territory, which for my American listeners, of which I know there are quite a few. So howdy, mate. Uh, no, that's Australian. God, terrible. <laughs> for my uh, American viewers, I've broken down past 180. So a little bit less than 180 pounds. Um, and I, I expect I've probably lost some muscle last year due to COVID and whatnot. So I don't think I'm going to be shredded at 80. I would be highly surprised if I was. Uh, I'm probably going to be the equivalent level of leanness to be on to, as I was on stage at more like 77. So we shall see. But I do feel I've lost maybe five, six pounds of muscle the last year due to COVID and God knows what. Basically, I'm blaming Boris for that. But that's my update. So fat loss is so far going very well. If we were to look on average, the total average loss so far would be 1.3 first week plus one point. Four four second week plus 0.92 so far. So 3.66 kilos lost on average over three weeks, which is eight pounds. It's pretty good. And as I say, I'm fairly confident the majority of that is fat loss simply because um, prior to starting this, I did a week cleanup where I came down a kilo or two. So overall, pretty good. So hopefully you guys found that interesting. Um, in the next part, which will be 4B, I will be discussing... Um, flexibility, because I think this is a very misunderstood term. Now, in the meantime, yeah, um, please do like, subscribe. If you feel this is interesting, and a lot of people have mentioned to me that this is actually quite interesting to see a diet coach and how he does a diet and explain all these things. It's, it's becoming quite a blow-by-blow -blow, um, interesting um, show, which a lot seems to be shared around quite a lot. So please do forward it on to people and um, hopefully help my get my word out there. So... All right, folks, I will call it there. Love you all. Take care.